talk about the plans for the trip and just kind of get all on the same page here, kind of make sure that we're all on the same page. And then Jeff, this is your, you've never been to Ma mountain archery fest before. I have not. I've, I've only gotten to speak to the goat, you know, Ren mm -hmm. Waddell. Okay. So I don't know if like, it, it, granted this is your podcast. So, I mean, but this is just my, my thinking is, you know, like, let's go over the plans of what we're planning on doing. And then, Ben, since we've gone together, you know more about this. You've gone more times than I have, but we can kind of share our experiences about Modern Archery Fest and kind of hype it up a little bit. Oh, yeah. This is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. <laughs> awesome. So no um, I guess this is kind of the plan that we have. So uh, for those of you listening or that will watch this later, basically our plan is we are going to do something kind of crazy. <laughs> so what started as a boys trip ended as a family vacation. So the originally just the three of us were going to head to Mountain Archery Fest and kill some foam and have fun. And then my wife decided that it was worth the journey for all of us to try to make. So we turned it into a bring your significant other and family if you want. So the plan is, and leave a comment if you think this is a dumb idea, okay? Because we're very, we're very new to this. But the plan is we're going to leave Wednesday night at approximately 9 p.m. Okay. Thinking that leaving that late at night will leave us with some tired children that will fall asleep almost immediately and then sleep till the wee hours of the morning or the normal time they wake up, a.k.a. 7, 8, 9 o'clock. So we'll hopefully be able to get the majority of the driving done while all the children are sleeping. And then from there, uh, by the time we get to, I'm hoping 10 to 12 hours down the road from Beaver Creek, Utah, there will only be six to eight hours left to go. And so we'll be able to kind of, uh, that Thursday we'll be able to kind of take her slow, stop when we need to, rest, recuperate, um, get out and stretch where we want. And then, um, we'll be at math Thursday evening, hopefully. Yeah. So that'll give us plenty of time to get settled into the cabin. You just get our stuff moved in. Um, maybe head there a little early, head to the, head to the actual range and see if we can't get some B-roll or some footage of them setting up, get some kind of behind the scenes shots. And then from there Friday, think they normally like it opens friday but i don't think there's very many people that are normally there and so my plan friday is to try to get up on the mountain and shoot at least one course friday so we can try to get three courses filmed um because they have like their new sci world record course so it used to be the pope and young course mm -hmm. and they changed it from the pope and young course to the sci world record course so they're i think they're dropping it to 20 targets or 25 targets because it was 29 um, but they're dropping it to 20 or 25. And then I believe in the future, they're planning on adding, if they haven't already added some African game because it is now a world record course rather than just the Pope and Young North American animal course. So um, it's really exciting. I can't wait to get on that course and, and sling it. That's the, the, the beauty of that course is they call it their intermediate course. So the furthest shot, I know the Pope and Young course that I shot, the furthest shot was like 52 yards. Okay. 
So it's super, um, it's, it's what I would call the kid friendly course. The kids can get up there. You can shoot your shot, you know, at 20, 30 yards. Most of the shots are good for the kids to shoot from the same spot, but they can also scoot up a little ways. Um, and then the, the elevation, obviously it's still super high elevation, but it's not a super treacherous course. It's pretty flat going downhill. Um, but it's not super crazy. I think that would be a really good one to start with because then we're not going to be dog tired for the rest of the weekend. It'll kind of be a pretty simple course, simplistic. Um, and I know the one that we did last year kind of, I think it kind of knocked both of us out a little bit because it was the, I didn't realize it was the hard one. Okay, yeah. The not, first one that we went to was the hard one, one. <laughs> which we didn't realize. <laughs> I mean, so those... we got up to the top of the mountain right when it opened at like what? Seven thirty, eight o'clock. Yeah. And we, we didn't were the get second down until on the course. Yeah, we were like the second ones on the course, and I think we didn't get down until one or two in the afternoon. Like it mm -hmm. was a, it was a hike that I and I mean, there was four there. of us. There was well, somebody forgot their hiking boots and was wearing tennis shoes. <laughs> yeah, that you forgot help. your boots. I did. I oh. bought I bought oh. brand new boots just for this specific occasion. So I'm like, you know what? Hey. I can break them in on the mountain, and then by the time hunting stock, uh, spot and stock mule deer season comes around, I'll be good to go. They'll be bro be broken in, and it's all gravy. And we get because that was in Wyoming last year, and I think we got to about Pierce, South Dakota, which is like four hours away. Okay. And we had already left later than we wanted to because I had to take a I had to work part of the day because I didn't get enough time off, and <laughs> I'm like, crap, I forgot my boots at home. Yeah. We weren't quite out of South Dakota, but yeah, I think it was Pierre because we're we're driving along and and it was like a lull, like the first lull we really had in the whole trip because we were pretty much talking nonstop about something, and we we're sitting there and I was just like, "Cool, all right," and then he goes, "Ah, crap," and I went, "What'd you forget?" And he goes, "Don't make fun of me," and I was like, "No promises," and he goes, "My boot." <laughs> <laughs> well, see, and, and here's here's the deal, right, Jeff? Okay, I mean, you've met me. You've met Ben. We're both similar size. We're six foot three. I wear size 17 shoots. Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. I can't huge. just go. I can't just go to a store shoe and just be or a shoe store and just be like, well, you know, whatever. It's not not a big deal. Let's buy a $50 pair of boots. I can't do that. No, you can't. No, uh -uh. you got so it's shoes. <laughs> which which was what my suggestion was i was like hey don't worry dude like i have my like my work boots like my cowboy work boots and i was like i can definitely hike in these you can just use my hiking boots and he goes cool ben when did you start wearing size 17 <laughs> yeah good point <laughs> my 12s are gonna be a little tight on you there, <laughs> see ben and i can wear shoes wear the same boots but dude you're on your own man yeah we'll have to make sure we'll remind you we should just start. We should just start texting Nikki. He's like, did he pack his? Did he pack his boots before we even leave the house? No. What we're gonna do is, I'm gonna stop over there on my way home from work, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna go in and be like, all right, Trent, we're gonna do a full layout, just like we used to do in the army. So get all your stuff laid out. We're gonna make sure you don't forget anything, okay? <laughs> but, but then I'm, I'm doing, I'm talking all this mad crap right now, and I'm gonna forget something really important this year. So. I forgot every release I have sitting on my workbench waiting to get packed. Ah, oh, crap. <laughs> That's oh, why I pack three releases with me at all times. I have my release, my backup release, and my backup and my backup release. I'm hopefully going to be bringing six this year. Nice. Nice. I have Because I'm releases. waiting on my... What, what kinds do you have? I have uh, 
one hot shot. Uh, no, actually, no, I have two hot shots, one true ball, and one uh, true fire. So I have I have uh, the hawk from mm, Scott, I believe. Okay. And then I have a true fire. Those are my two indexes. And then I have I have a uh, hot shot X spot brass knuckles, which is a two finger, which I love. Yes. And then I have the X spot three finger which i also love but i'm waiting on a new thumb barrel to come in because i stupidly ordered a new thumb barrel thinking that i could thread it into the same peg that comes out but the way they designed it is they they have to order the new peg with it which i should have just ordered because it was the same price i just thought oh i don't need the extra piece which i thought was really cool they literally have the small peg it's like 9.95 and then the small peg with the addition to the post for $9.95. Maybe it was $11.95. So I was like, I should just order the whole thing. But I was like, no, I I should be able to get it on there. It should fit. So I have that coming. I actually ordered two more of those. So I should have two more of those coming. And then I have the Tempest three finger. And then I have the Haze four finger. And then I ordered the new Ember that came out. That's a sweet one. I shot that at the Iowa Deer Classic. It shoots nice. It shoots just like the uh, hookup. I've heard nothing but good things, but I also ordered the hookup and I'm hoping I'm going to do a compare video on it because essentially they're the same release. The difference is one is a closed Mm -hmm. and the other one is open. Yes, exactly. I couldn't find, I couldn't find a difference between the two of them. I thought they both broke really, really consistently and very evenly. Uh, The one I was using was a little bit heavier than mine, than my hookup because mine's stupid light. It's like you blow on it it goes off. I I was showing, I showed it to, to Jeremy from the talk snap and he was impressed for how, how light it goes because I have it set up so when, it, when I'm anchored and I have my thumb over the top of it, I just rest it and I just draw, keep drawing back and then the natural pulling motion of it will just set it off. And it'll, it'll, it'll cause the, the tension in my tendons to set it to go off so this way you're not punching, you're not pulling. It just goes natural. It breaks evenly. And while you guys were talking, I went ahead and I grabbed all of all four courses that are going to be at Beaver this year, starting off with the world record one. That's going to be the a beginner slash intermediate 29 targets up to 60 yards. Then we move. Then you got the, is it, is it 29 targets? You said 29 targets. Yes. Yep. That's what they have listed on the website. So, but that one's okay. like, that's going to be more focused towards the kids and a lot of fun stuff. So I think that's really well, smart. And the uh, active tracker, the, uh, what's what I'm looking for. Oh, the all wheel, all wheel. That's what I was going to mention. Yeah, Yeah, the the the, track mobility course. There we go. Track action mobility course. I actually just dropped a video on my YouTube channel. Check it out, SodakHorizon.com. I'm sorry, Sodak Horizon YouTube page. Yes. Um, you get to see someone's really pretty face walking around without his boots on that he forgot because somebody was with me. (laughs) Um, and somebody also uh brought two different grain weight arrows. And so, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, well, and to be fair, well, I also uh, had a really, I had a brand new rest on that we didn't actually yes. tune. As... No, so it was, no, we figured this out though. Remember the rest? He had, um, oh, what is it? The Schaefer. It's, it's a Schaefer. Schaefer. It's a super good design because it's a full, at full draw, it clamps down your arrow like this. And so when it's not full draw, it's like this. But when he was shooting, it wasn't it wasn't opening so he'd shoot and it would stay like this it would strip his veins off mm-hmm. and his arrow would just go crazy 
and we're like, what the heck is going on right now? And then it was after one of one of his shots, it was still closed. And I said, hey, look at your rest, bro. It's It didn't open. So yeah. that's why your arrows are all wonky. Yeah. That is strange. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's it was a really cool rest, except if you got any moisture, any dirt, anything. It would just the, the timings would just not be correct. I think it would just gum up. That would be yeah. the only complaint I have with that rest was the springs. It's all on the backside. You can see the springs that, that move it together and it's okay. all just wide open. Mm-hmm. So any, any dust or anything, any buildup and, and granted we were in Wyoming where, I mean, you take a step after rain and dust pours up everywhere. It's just mm-hmm. a super dusty hill in the, in the Bighorn mountains. And so it was, I mean, every step, not to mention when you're bowed down because somebody I don't think somebody had a bow hitch yet. I did not. I did not have a bow and hitch. And so we, and so we were putting that. We were putting the bow down a little bit, and I think all that dust just got up there and just gunked it up. Mm-hmm. What are you yeah. still using the same rest, or do you up? Oh no, I I. If I was shooting indoor 3D or indoor like target archery, I would consider it, but. Since I'm taking this outside, I have a ripcord. I forget what the exact model is, but it's a, a it's limb, limb driven. Yep. Okay. Which you... I like it. It's treating me well so far. I used to shoot limb driven with the SmackDown Trophy Taker Pro, and I had no issues with it. It's it, mm-hmm. it, it, uh, something that I learned from uh, Dudley. That's what he ran on his bow. And I didn't, I never, I never did, the fear never did cross my mind about having it snagged on a limb or anything like that but then again the same thing can happen if you are with the string driven too as well mm-hmm. and, it's, and, and that's really- so that's that's the argument that i make to anytime we're talking about cable or limb driven or anything like that the one thing is the technology right so if you're using a limb driven there's this big string hanging down that's just one more thing that can get caught you could say the same the same argument with having a seven set string that's, that's just like shooting a modern compound. There's seven strings that can get caught on something much more likely to happen than with the old stick bow um, slider sights, much more likely that something get up there and, and jam your slide. Um, the keep sights, super likely that you're going to bump them and they're going to move releases, all the hinges, all the, all the hooks and everything super likely they could break off. I mean, when you're talking about the likelihood of it happening versus with something of that technology compared to something without that technology, it's going to be it's going to be more likely anyway so it, i i kind of made the switch a few years ago i actually had a vapor trail on my matthews a few years back yeah and i love that that rest it was probably one of the best i've ever had and the only reason i didn't like it was because the actual housing after having it for three or four years the housing just shakes so every shot it's like a rattle and i've tightened it i've put loctite in it i've done everything and it just comes loose so that's the only complaint I have with the, the uh, vapor trail. Um, and I was actually going to order a limb driven too, but I was going to order the rip cord, the exact same one Trent has, but um, somebody dropped off a almost brand new QAD at my house. Yeah. I wonder who that was. <laughs> well, okay. So the whole reason, so I bought a new, I, I bought my Darton or my Darton Veracity 35. And we just had a massive tear paper tuning. We could not figure it out. Like it was, it was 
what two and a half inches probably been i mean i mean we worked it down to maybe an inch and a quarter yeah like we just could not get rid of the stupid tear and so i talked to to trent over at chest lumper outdoors who's where ordered my boat from owns a pro shop by the way super awesome guy super good dude super awesome super knowledgeable dude. You want to save ten percent? Use uh, so code SODAC ten. You can save ten percent on your whole order, including bows. And he also has a TikTok channel too, as well. So please go down and subscribe to that as well. I follow it as well. Oh, I, I, I had a nice conversation with Arrows Anonymous last night. Hope, yeah, yeah, he hit me up last night on on Instagram. You bleeped. You bleeped out. What'd you say? Oh, I had a chance to have a nice conversation with Arrows Anonymous out of out of uh, Alabama. Jordan? Yeah, Jordan. Yeah. Good dude, man. He's yeah. a good dude. Yeah, we, we, we all got scientific about different things. I told him some of my arrow breakdowns, but he really recommended for, for something you're not worried about losing an arrow, that deer crossing, they have like their hunter series is like 70 bucks for a dozen. So it's, it's one that you can use without worrying about like if you overshoot something or if you lose it, you're not going to be too hurt. Mm hmm. He actually had nothing but good things to say about deer crossing. He's actually a buddy of mine. I've, I've talked to him on the phone a few times and, and uh, he's, he's one of probably seven guys that I message whenever I'm thinking about like FOC or um, broadhead tuning or, or just tuning in general. Cause he is super smart. Um, and he's actually helped me work out a few tears that I could not figure out either. So him and him and Trent at chest thumper outdoors are probably my top two guys that I, I reach out to when it comes to bow tuning stuff because they're both just super smart. But um, so I want Trent to finish his story though. Anyway, this is a, so we we had a so we just had this massive tear and we ended up because the the limb driven rest they have is micro adjustable, and we were moving this thing, we were cranking this thing all the way to the edge, like it was ridiculous. Before we finally got like somewhat of a bullet hole, and we're like, what the hell is going on? We thought, oh, okay, it's like the internal braking system on the limb. Or on the on the rest and we're like okay so i was happy to be at the pro at, at my local shop the other day and this guy was like hey you know uh he was at the shop and he wanted to buy he wanted the, the shop to buy back two rest that he had i'm like i'm looking for a rest and so i mean he gave me a pretty good discount or whatever threw that rest on there same exact tear i'm like what the heck is going on here it turns out that the roller guard for the cables was too far over and it was making contact with the fletchings on my arrow. And that's what was kicking it to the side all the time. And so but I had an extra one. But the benefit of the new uh, Dartons that are coming out is it's an adjustable roller guard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so you I mean, take we two take Allen us, keys. Yep. Move it over just an eighth of an inch. And then it's fine. It We got it paper tuned. No problem. It's funny that you had that issue because I currently have a brassy in my garage right now. And I just built arrows. I just I sent you guys pictures of those renegades that I built. Yes. Because I'm <laughs> gonna have the 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 veracity that I have on order is gonna be the same one. Literally. Like everything's gonna be same except it's black. I right? have rampage. I literally I'm like, I can build arrows for this, and I just cut them a little bit longer than I normally do because I figured if I end up maybe pushing out a little back i want to have a little wiggle room up front and i have a solid quarter inch 
with with veins not even close to the roller guard. So I don't I don't know if maybe they they set it factory differently when they sent when they when they send them out maybe they sent it factory differently than the one that they sent you. But I also have yeah. them silent night those flex flex silent nights and they have a lower profile. But those are the ones that we were shooting. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are the ones that you were shooting out of it. So I I'm just gonna chalk it and up I, to. I actually had to switch over to blazer veins because with my setup, I was making contact with the rest with it sitting like this just because the rest is so far back. Weird. Mm. Interesting. That's, yeah, well, that, that's also a, a huge reason why I'm, I'm kind of switched over to cable-driven rest. So I was a huge limb-driven rest guy because the, the selling point is, well, if, if it breaks in the field, then you can take a shoelace off and you can lace it up to be how you need it to. And I, that was a huge, yeah, you know, that that's a huge pro. If you're going to be doing backcountry stuff, we're going to be gone for weeks on end and, and you, you know, can bring some extra D loop material and be able to fix your rest. No problem. Until I got the HHA Burtis, I believe is how you say it. Yes. And I tell you what, I got that thing because one, I wanted to try cable driven Two, I had just found HHA sports. And I was like, you know, they got really good sites. I, I met Chris Ham, and uh, and he he um, it just is a good godly man. He's got a great business. He's got a, a great product. And so I thought, you know what? When I built my Maverick, I'm just going to buy HHA stuff. So I bought a Sunlight and I bought a, a Virtus Rest. And I tell you what, I don't know if I could go back to a limb driven just because putting up that rest with the arrow in it, like. Now, granted, there is a risk that it won't come down, but I will say I've never, I've, I've had zero issues with that. And I've put that Virtus through the paces and I've never had it not come down. So it's all about just the timing, which is the same with the limb driven. As long as you time it correctly, that thing's going to fall like clockwork. And, and the QAD that I now have, it's, it's a, I want to say it's an older model, like a year old, because now the newer ones, I, I think they have the, uh, they're, they're just a little different because they have the Matthews version, which hooks onto the the tactical whatever um, the rail system that they have on the Matthews. And then Darton came out with a new rail system too that you can just hook it to the to the riser rather than bolt it to the side of it. And so I think I think this one is maybe a year or two old, but for for it being that old, holy smokes, it's still it's still an amazing rest. I just love being able to flip that thing up and just have the arrow sit there just like that. It just makes working on it so much easier and it makes putting it in a tree standard, all that other stuff so much easier too. I found that with that with having that like the trigger to it, when I'm out when I was walking the public land here nearby but my my place, I'd have it hooked to my bow hitch and then I'd actually have the arrow knocked and then I'd have the the rest already up so this way then all I need to do if I actually practice it so this way I'm able to remove the hook odd thing and be able to and just move smoothly and get right into full draw and ready to release if the time came yeah so it's it's um it is super super and and that that was kind of the big the big con was well what if it doesn't come down and and i'm going to go back to technology you have the same risk of a limb driven The, the limb driven it might not come down either it might come down you know it might have just squeaked a little far forward on your limb when you're shooting and those arms are going to hit the back of your arrow. I mean, there's there's a million different things that can go wrong when you're talking about modern day compound bow hunting. 
you just got to pick what you think is going to be less likely to go wrong. For sure. So now I was looking at the built the the map, the Google Maps to get out to uh, da- not Davis, but out to Beaver. Beaver. And the halfway point is literally Denver. Mm-hmm. It's about it's a little over eleven hundred miles from from your place, Ben, out to Beaver. And Denver puts us at halfway. It's about five hundred eighty miles or so to get out there. So that's that'd be a, if we if the kids can like make it that far, it'd be fantastic. That is, um, I I definitely I think we're pushing really, really hard to try to make it that, that evening. I, I don't even want to stop for breakfast till like eight, eight or nine. And I okay. figured we can stop at like Perkins or something. Now, granted, I realize that I'm not the only one driving. So <laughs> we'll, 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 uh, we'll figure that out. But um, I just, I just know the, the longer it takes, the more whiny it's going to be. So two years ago, um, we went to Colorado. We went to um, Purgatory Resort, which is 16 hours away. And we're actually going a little far, far north of it in Colorado, but um, a very similar destination. And we, we took it in two days. So we left one day in the morning. And the, and the kids honestly did great. We only had two at the time. Reed was two and Cade was six months old. Yeah. So it's almost exactly what we're doing now, except for Reed is now four, Cade is two, and Charlotte will be six months old. Um, but it was so smooth. Like the last two hours of both the going and the coming was when it was crazy. But even when we were going to purgatory at the end of the first day, it really wasn't bad. The kids slept. They, they both took naps. We had little TV shows dialed up on the iPad that they could watch. I mean, we read books to them. I mean, it, I, I should say I read my wife read books to them, but, um, it, it was super smooth. And so I just know if we can get, if we can a get them sleeping and then b keep them asleep that entire night, we'll have more than halfway done, and then it'll just be a quick, like I said, six to eight hours the next day, which shouldn't be a problem after we take a good two-hour long stretch break at at wherever we end up stopping, Denver or wherever it is, pound some energy drinks, keep rolling. Yeah, and the the thing we have to remember too is that we do have. I know Nikki would appreciate if we stopped and like saw the sights a little bit. So we might hang around a little bit longer there, Jeff, if you're okay with it. Oh, that's fine. I, I, I increased my time off this just today. I wanted to make sure I have uh, an extra day of just relax. So I took Wednesday off of the, of the following mm-hmm. weeks this way. Then it's like, we could take as we can just take, we can just cruise back as much as, as slow as we want. We'll get there fast and we'll take it slow. Yeah. I'm, it'd be nice just well, to, and- you know, also see some sights and, and look at the country that we, I personally never seen before. Um, well, and the beauty of it is Sunday is generally like a takedown day. Mm-hmm. Sunday isn't much for shooting. Like if like we get up early enough, we can get on the mountain by like well as soon as the lifts are open. But that's kind of why my plan is. I'll explain it to you all now. Okay. Friday when we get there, hopefully we can get up and shoot the world record course. That's kind of a big maybe. Uh, there's no guarantees on that, but that's kind of. Um, I'm kind of hoping we'll be able to do that Saturday. Then we'll be able to do the initial ascent course or the, the, the more advanced course. That'll kind of give us shots out to. Oh yeah. The Western 80, course. 80, 90, a yeah. hundred. Yeah. The Western yeah. course. And yeah, that's then always loved Sunday. This year. And then Sunday, since the, the track mobility course is not a lift accessible course, because it obvious, obvious reasons you, you can't have it lift accessible. 
Sunday we can get out there six, six thirty and start shooting that before anyone else even gets on the mountain. And then we can be done last year. I think we were done by 10. Okay. And we, we went and talked to a few people and then we booked it. We were, we were out of there by 11. We were home before. I want to say we were home pretty dang early Trent, Right. Yeah. We, it, cause it was about a 12 hour drive there. I yeah. think we got home. I got home cause I live about a half hour away from you, Ben. I think mm-hmm. I got home at about one, one thirty-two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, we, we booked it pretty good there. Um, but um, one thing I am excited about, though, is that we are renting a cabin out there for the weekend, which will be a lot of fun. Yes. Um, and I know, I think Nikki and Liz are planning on doing a, a Costco run beforehand. So bringing food with us so that way we can not have to eat out all the time, which will be nice. Saves us a little bit of cash and, you know, cook breakfast and suppers or something. And that is one thing that I, and and maybe this isn't at every mountain archery fest, but when we were there, Ben, there really wasn't much option for food at the, at the actual course. It's more um, dependent on the location. Okay. So like um, purgatory. Purgatory was an awesome course because it was literally 10 minutes away from a fairly large town that had a lot of food options. Um, I believe Beaver is pretty close to a, uh, it's a fairly decent sized town with restaurants and stuff in it. Um, Utah, uh, Wyoming was in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Um, Wyoming was literally 45 (laughs) minutes into the Bighorn Mountains. Yeah. So there was, was no like, self reception. <laughs> the Bighorn Mountain starts here and it ends here. And imagine this is two hours long. The flipping course was right here, like just yeah. smack dab in the middle. <laughs> and so it's like, there's no reception. You get no service. You get nothing. And there's no gas station for, I mean, how far back did we have to travel before we hit a gas well, station? Because we, we went the wrong minutes. way the first time. Yeah, you had to go to no, Shell. No, we didn't go the wrong way. We went one way because we hadn't been that way and we got to a town i think it was shell yeah it was shell Shell, Shell. yep it was shell and so we pull in and we're like oh cool nearest gas station is 40 miles away (laughs) we're on an eighth of a tank of gas (laughs) so we were like do we either go 40 miles and risk running out further away from mountain archery fest or do we go back and we went back which turned out fine. I, I, we ended up being just on fumes rolling in, but it worked <laughs> out. But man, we just, it was just, it was, it was, and it was a fun course. Oh, it, it was, was awesome. fun. Oh, it was, it was just it in was the middle so of nowhere. Fun. We ran into elk. There was a moose running across the course. Like we, we were going up on the lift the first morning and a bull mm-hmm. moose just walked right out underneath us and kept trotting along. I mean, they saw a bear attack one of the targets. Oh, okay. So so one, one quite a quick story here. So last year when Ben and I went to mountain archery fest, um, we camped out the first night, which was awful idea. I am 30 years old. I, my back cannot take that anymore. Let me interject. Okay. I I don't think it was an awful idea. I think it was poorly executed. (laughs) That's true. That's That's all I want to say. That's fair. Um, 
and so <laughs> we were we went and we shot the uh the i can't remember which course we we shot last year but the like the hardest one the hardest course it was, we, uh, it was the um initial ascent course oh the initial ascent course that's right so we we shot initial ascent and you know we we get done we are exhausted because that was that was a that was a hike and a half and i am not in great shape um so i'm i'm working on it for this year um but <laughs> so we you know after we you know we ended up getting a hotel and we showered and you know got kind of settled in a little bit in our hotel we went back to the mountain archery fest a little bit to just kind of hang out with some of the vendors and everything and dan from uh arrow junkie represent um was talking about he was one of the people that helped set up the pope and young course last year the track mobility course and he got there a couple days before us and to get everything set up and the the pope and young course like the the course that he was setting up had like a whole bunch of like exotic animals like you know mosquito a tiger a sasquatch whatever and so he's looking and goes oh yeah you know there's a swan okay that looks good oh there's a bear that looks good oh yeah there's a wait a second we don't have a bear on this course there was an actual bear <laughs> probably like 200 yards from where ben and i were sleeping the night before I mean, it like, ran towards us with the head of whatever i think it was an elk target or a turkey or something but yeah. it, it ran towards us and then dropped it and ran away. And it ran like within 200 yards of our tent. That was awesome. It was we almost time. died. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that how all great stories go, though? And I don't Did think I die? told my wife that story either. So. <laughs> That's funny. That's yeah. Good. When I was talking to Brandon here a couple of weeks ago, this entire event is going to be above 10,000 uh, feet. So it's like the, even even base camp is at ten thousand feet. So he recommended that we get wilderness altitude. Uh, alternate uh, was it? Did we lose it? No, I'm sure you're still here. Your can you hear me? Your face is beautiful, oh, but there it's we frozen. go. Oh man! So can you guys hear me now? Yep, we, you're good now. Yep. So when he was when we were talking, we had to get altitude advantage. And when I was reading through some of the reviews, he was recommending that we actually start taking it three weeks out prior to the event to be able to increase the amount of oxygen in your blood. Because a lot of people say they took out two weeks out, they had a good time, but they still felt pretty fatigued. So a lot of them are a lot, a lot of consistent reviews say you start taking three weeks out, you're going to be able to survive a little bit more consistently when you go into the when you get into that in that in that range. Because I'd hate to get altitude sickness. Because we talked about his friend of his that got it's like his sweet spot is 9,200 feet. Anything above that, it just he just gets sick. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's just, it's yeah, just the altitude. Well, and I think that's my wife too because. I don't, I don't think she's spent much time above any amount of elevation. And so, like, we took a little couple's trip out to the Black Hills this last year. Now, granted, my wife was seven months pregnant, so I don't think that helped. But she was sick as a dog the whole weekend. And then rewind all the way back to when we went to Colorado. She was not pregnant then. And to be fair, though, we all had strep throat that weekend. <laughs> so we went to Purgatory Resort. We were at like ten thousand feet at the at the peak or the summit of the mountain that we were shooting on, and then we get back and nobody got any better. We all just thought we had altitude sickness. We get back and nobody got better. Boys go in strep throat, strep throat. Liz goes in strep throat. Ben goes in strep throat. And I went, holy smokes! No wonder we, I almost passed out at the summit of this mountain. 
because I almost died because I had strep throat. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't know if I actually died or not. But... <laughs> it made me feel super tough, though, because I was like, oh, yeah, I just got done mountain archery fest. We were at, like, 10,000 feet, and I had strep throat. Did the whole course. Didn't even die. Yeah. Pretty cool. But, um, but yeah, the, the trip out there, if, if I'm going to be honest, my vote is the trip out there. We book it as fast as we can. Uh-huh. Um, and thankfully, it'll be because... dark almost all the way through Nebraska, because who cares about Nebraska? <laughs> yeah, Nebraska sucks. Yeah, I've done the whole, I've done I-80. That is just absolute, I've done it too many times. Once was enough, twice was too many. It's just so flat. It's like, people think Minnesota's flat and Iowa's flat. It's like, no, Nebraska's flat. Yeah, I was going to say, Nebraska's, Nebraska's the definition flat. of flat. Yes, yeah. it is. Yes, it is. And I was <laughs> I was looking through the schedule here. They're even doing a cold shot challenge right at the right at the crack of dawn at seven a.m. Mm-hmm. for the novelty every novelty day. shot. Yeah. So yeah, they're every doing day. every. And the upside is too, even on Sunday, they they're they're the course doesn't close until six. But it's just it's kind of like there's not really any crowd. So if we wanted to do a, a big course, we could because most people they're they're coming out for maybe the afternoon and then they're they're kind of dwindling away. Um, but like last year, I, I guess I shouldn't even say that because last year we were on the mountain at six thirty when we started the course and we ended at like ten or eleven. Yeah. And we we went and talked to Dan and he was like, "Dude, you missed the rush. Like everybody came flooding down at like nine. Um, but that's kind of when like the vendors started taking down stuff. Like I wanted to get a chat in with um, Dennis from Initial Ascent, uh, but he kind of had his stuff taken down because he had a place he had to be, so he didn't stick around for that. Uh, and then a couple of the other ones were just Sunday isn't much of a vendor day. It's more of a because there's no event at night. It just ends. Whereas Sunday and Friday there's events at, at each night. Like there's a, a cornhole game. Sunday they're doing like a mixer. So there's gonna be like a possible like video. Um they're they're talking and we're they were talking like drinks, like like trying to find a local brewery or something like that. So I mean there's events that happen Friday and Saturday night, whereas Sunday it's kind of as soon as you're done shooting just kind of pack up and start heading home so i will say i think the game changer this year is going to be the bed yes absolutely i think that's gonna that's gonna be a a big game changer for us well and and not getting there at two o'clock in the morning and then getting up at 6 30 to go shoot right away the next morning that's nothing trent that's easy maybe for you mr i was in the (laughs) army (laughs) <laughs> more like mister i just don't sleep ever <laughs> but no uh um, definitely having a a bed it'll definitely help out this year um but and and so then going off that too though i guess i don't want to rescind it all but i think if, if we can bust through that first night and get a majority of the way there by mm-hmm. eight nine o'clock then it, i think it would be much more feasible to you know drive from eight to well, stop and eat at eight or nine and then get going again at 11, maybe stop again at one or two, maybe get going again at three or four. And then by the time we get there Thursday night, we just have to make sure we're there by check-in time so we can get keys to the cabin. And then mm-hmm. after that, we have it from Thursday till Monday night, I think. So if we don't want to leave oh, till Monday afternoon, we don't have to, we can, we can leave whenever we want. Right. Um, and so it's just kind of, 
kind of gives us a better opportunity to to kind of take it slow. And if we want to sightsee, if we want to maybe detour a little bit, we have the opportunity to do that. I would just, I think it would be way awesome for us to get there Friday morning to mid morning to, I mean, noon at the latest, because oh, then we'll we do there. have an yeah. entire extra day to shoot. And then, because uh, I want to take like Reed, I think Reed would love to come up on the mountain and shoot a little bit. And if we had a, a, a nice enough course, oh, he would absolutely just dig coming up there and shooting. So, oh, for sure. I think with the, the, how oh, the, the beginner one, the, uh, what is it, the trophy one, I think that'd be perfect for him because it's 25, 10 to, 8, 10 to 80 yards. No, what is it? The world, world record course, 15 to 60 yeah. yards. It'd be right up his alley. Yeah. He'd have a blast. Yep. So it, it's going to be, it's going to be fun regardless, but I just, I don't, I personally don't want a family vacation to turn into everyone's tired and crabby. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping everybody sleeps super good that first drive night. And then from there, it'll just kind of be play it by ear. If they, if they end up sleeping the whole time, like I told Liz, honestly, I, I want to keep driving until they wake up. If that means nine or 10, that means nine or 10 to me. If they wake up at six or seven, well, I mean, we'll still stop around eight if, if they're awake. Uh-huh. Um, but the more they sleep on the way out, the more fun we're going to have. So definitely that it's going to be Absolutely. the big win. The nice thing is with, if I, since I'm running with you, Trent and Nikki, we'll have three of us driving. So we'll be able to tag team and hit some good lengths, the low, low road there. The biggest, the, the, the low, I think the most uh, treacherous one will be going from, from Davis to North Platte because it's all, Drive a little bit, then turn. Drive a little bit, then turn. Drive. Then we. Then once we hit eighty, then it's all. Then we. Then it goes eighty to seventy six to Denver. We'll be hitting Denver at night, so we have to worry about doing that traffic. And mm-hmm. oh man, I tell you what, that uh, I seventy from out coming out from the uh, airport. That that highway is garbage. I swear, it's like yeah. it's turning into a Chicago of the Middle East of the of the Midwest. <laughs> Middle East. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it, I think the Middle East might be a little worse than Chicago. Jesus, well, you go to Denver, it looks like you're going to Kosovo. Oh, that's too funny. But no, I'm, I'm entering Afghanistan. I mean, I mean, I mean, Colorado. Sorry. <laughs> but no, I, I mean, if we can get past Denver by by the 12 hour mark, I think we'll be golden. Golden. If we can get if we can really, get through really well. Denver before rush hour hits right away in the morning on a Friday morning, I think we'll yep. be just fine. And and honestly, that could even be a if we stop in Denver at rush hour time and that's our break, that would also work too. Because yeah. after nine o'clock hits, I'm not gonna say it's not busy anymore. But the other thing you have to understand is Denver is Denver is always busy. There's yeah. never a good time to go through Denver. There's just better times and less better times, but oh, because we go then, like, right Grand through the Junction, heart of Denver too. It looks like, yeah. I mean, there's really there's no good way to go through Denver, um, but then the the that big kink that you see, I believe they call that hairpin turn or something like that. Hairpin road. That's what we had to go down, or maybe it's not. There's there's a couple super super sketchy. Like you're climbing in a vehicle like this, like oh, it's man. just straight up and down. Like it is awful. Cause we were gonna we were gonna pull a camper out there when we went to um, Purgatory. Okay. Because Purgatory is right by Durango, and 
holy smokes we get out there and we're like thank goodness we did not bring that out because we would have died like it was <laughs> insane yeah that would make sense i i yeah exactly i've I wouldn't want to do it through those areas right there because, like, unless you know your brakes are brand new when you're when you're going through that right there, it's like you're going to be hating life because you're gonna be riding on it, riding on those brakes just because you have all the extra momentum. So now I want to talk about my new pack that I got from TNK. One thing I noticed that Alicia pointed out—I don't know if you guys can see it on the camera here—is that both these little spots right up here, you can actually put two hole uh, two hoses through it. So if I wanted to, and considering how big this really is and how wide this is i can actually probably put a three liter and a two liter in there so carry five liters of water on me that's that's one thing i definitely regret about last year is not bringing enough water to the top of the mountain on the initial ascent course and i will say that i don't think there there was some water depots i think there's actually two did we if miss I one? Correctly, I we thought we. One. I thought this. Oh, we did. <laughs> that's yeah. that sounds about right. That yeah, sounds about cause, right. Because uh, we we started walking and then halfway through or not even halfway through, Brian with State Raps was with us and he, hey, there should be a water tank coming up here soon. We obviously started looking for water. So I think we had well, Trent in his you know awesomeness brought a Coke. My so he was coffee, chugging man. Coke on the way up there oh, yeah man. yeah 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 Rookie and so was... we're like we're i had i think i brought i think i had six bottles of water and so you know we passed those out and drank them and then we got to the refill station and we filled them and we're like cool there should be another one like towards the end of the of the route and we walked because we we ended up missing like two or three targets mm -hmm. and we just we completely walked right past it so oh that's that's scary that is scary. But I mean, it was, it, I, I wouldn't call it scary. No. It, because we did stop and we stopped at the water tank for a good 20 minutes. We let a lot of people go through. We talked, we hung out, we met a new friend. Um, and so we, we kind of got to know him a little bit. And we drank, we probably each drank two or three bottles of water while we were there. Okay. And then we started heading out again, but we just, we completely walked past one of the refill stations because we didn't realize it was there. And I actually think this year, I want to say, because last year they had wilderness athlete at some of their events and they were putting like hydration packs in the water. And I think they're doing something similar to that this year too. I, I don't know for sure, but I know last year it was like, I think it might've just been the Utah events too, but they had like specific gallon jugs of only hydration fuel from wilderness athlete or something like that. And so it was like you could get one cup of that, and it would do the same as like four cups of water. But yeah, because I'm looking looking through their sponsors, and I don't see the Wilderness Physical Therapy. I don't see I don't see a uh, like first for, like for example, first former Wilderness athlete uh, as a sponsor there. So I'm not sure who's going to be there providing that. I know when I was in when I did the the Beast Mode uh, King of the Hill 3D. First form was there. I actually got to meet uh, Jake from First Form. We had a nice conversation, and that's what saved my butt from climbing up and down those hills because it was it was rough coming down. Let's see here. You had to walk up one section. You had to, I think we walked up like up to three thousand foot elevation. You had to walk back down, and then the, one of the easier courses you took the ski lift up, 
then you had to come down 5,000 uh, feet down back to uh, the base camp. And that was without that first four, man, I, we were all hurting. We were, we were hurting pretty bad considering how much work we put in. I actually trained for it. I, I told this, I've told the story several times in the podcast regarding uh, Jeremy. And I, all I told him was to bring boots and I, he did not know what to expect. He was in for a, he was in for a treat. He ended up getting a Charlie horse too, as well. Cause it's like, he's, you all the like all the additional lactic acid all built up. Yeah, all I have to say to you is you're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> but he was he's gonna do it this year. I'm not quite sure what's going on because that that end of the week that uh, last event in July is the King of the Hill. There's also Bow Fest in Northern Wisconsin, and then we also have a uh, Blackhawk Archers event that was with Tyson and Kayla Trunkhill. Hmm. So we have three events nice. that weekend. I just don't know which one because Alicia wants to go to something that's more her alley. And it's like, well, King of the Hill is out because that is going to <laughs> test your might, and you do not put the. It's like it, you'll 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 die. So I just I just want you to know I'm being responsible this year. I just ordered my bow hitch and I ordered a three liter hydration pack that you sent in the group chat there earlier, Jeff. Okay. Oh, smart. Good. 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 I just I ordered mine today too. Sweet. <laughs> I, I was like, I was looking for one online last night, and it's just like I happened to go on Camel Fire, and there it was. Like, heck yeah, I can't. You can't go wrong with it. Even with shipping, it's still cheaper than what I could find on Amazon for the mm -hmm. same size. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Well, and that'll be super easy. Those packs that we have, Trent, we'll be able to slide those in there in any yeah. one of those packs, and it'll be perfect. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I, I got so bringing some extra water too. <laughs> nice. But I got so I got my veracity on order from uh, Trent at, at uh, Chest Thumper. Uh, uh, Chest Thumper Outdoors, yeah. So that is going to be all black, and then I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna order some arrows. Which okay, so let's talk about this for a second. Okay, Trent. Yes. Trent and me are are darting shooters right now. He he just got himself a veracity. I'm waiting on two um, dartons to come in. Darton put some money into their strings this year okay um mm -hmm. i don't know all of it i don't know the spiel of it it's probably something that i should actually try to reach out and figure out more because i am so impressed with the dart and strings this year i i i brett please don't hear me say this a3 i don't know if i'm going to custom order strings from a3 this year okay because i am so impressed with the dart and strings um I feel like I need to order one set uh, because I think the black, the black veracity that I have coming in, I had a very specific idea with strings. I'm going to do orange strings with black serving and it's just going to make everything pop. And then I have my orange bow hitch that I'm going to throw on it. So it's just going to be decked out orange. Um, and so I think, I think I'm going to end up ordering strings from a three this year, at least one set, but I am so impressed. I just did a, a little speed test video. I told you all my, my arrow speeds. Um, yep. So the veracity came in. The first reading that I got when I pulled it out of the package was 70.3 pounds on the draw, which I ordered at 60 to 70 pounds. So I could back it down to 60, but I have her racked out to 70 right now. 70.3 pounds. Cams are timed perfectly. Everything was tuned. I threw a whisker biscuit on, got a bullet hole. Everything was great, right? Now, fast forward four or five months, I think I've had it. It has dropped. I'll average it because I've, I've pulled weight three times this week. I pulled them twice yesterday and I pulled them once today. 
and I do it three times a pop and I take the average, right? It's averaging 68.7 pounds. Wow, you lost a whole pound? That's kind of interesting. I... Uh, that's super good. Oh, it's good? Okay. Zebra strings have been known to lose like five to seven pounds. Is that what, is that what Dart uses, zebra? or No, no they, have, no, their, they, they, they have their own. They, okay. they manufacture their own strings now, and they're super good quality. Because, I mean, you figure you're supposed to re-time and, and re-check um, timing and everything after like the first 100 to 200 arrows to let your sing, strings kind of settle in. And then you re-time them, which means you have to tighten your cables back up because that's where your, your pounds come from. So if you actually weigh your bow before you retime it, you're going to drop, I mean, A3 is by far the best because when I did it with A3, one, I've never had to retime it. And two, I've never lost more than a pound. So I'm not saying A3 is not pinnacle still. Brett, A3 is still the best, okay? But <laughs> I'm super impressed with these dart and strings because normally – bow manufacturers put so much money into the manufacturing of their bow that they kind of let the strings, you know, okay, we'll, we'll put some money into the strings, but we're not going to put a lot into them. And I think Darton kind of flipped the switch and, and they, I think they put some, I don't want to say serious money into the strings, but they put some serious time into the strings and I'm super impressed with them. I'm, I'm getting a little bit of peep twist, but I, I didn't, my peep I'm still playing with because it's a bow that I'm eventually going to have to send back. So I'm not hundred percent, gonna make everything to, to to fit me perfectly but i'm getting a little bit of peak twist but everything is still timed i've probably put easily 200 arrows through since i got it okay and timing is still perfect weight i've dropped a pound and a half which is pretty darn good after 200 arrows um i'm still getting a bullet hole i got a bullet hole straight with the new arrows i put on I didn't make a single adjustment. I, I got two bullet holes right off the bat. I think I sent you both pictures of it. You did. So I don't know what they did, but the new dart and strings are, are something, something to look out for. I'll say that. My, my only complaint that I have is because I, I've probably shot, because I've had my new dart for a month or two now, month and a half, two months, something like that. About like that. Probably close to two months because you got it right, right at the beginning of the January, right? Uh, I think I got it at the beginning of February. Yes. Yep. Um, okay. I've probably, I've had well over a hundred shots. I probably have had somewhere in the neighborhood on of your bow. Yeah. I've. Oh, you easily put two, three, four hundred arrows through that thing. You're yeah, I, just run every day. Yeah, I, I try to get out there as much as I can. I I so I don't have a bow scale and the, the shop that I go to, they just have like a an analog scale where you just pull it down just kinda like a weight scale or whatever. And right now it's reading at sixty eight pounds, but my my limbs are maxed out. So I, I would have to resort to cable twisting. So which that is that's what they call string stretch. So that's kind of the perks mm -hmm. of the bloodline fibers from A3 is they they don't stretch. So once you get them set, they they pre-stretch them before they put them before they send them out. So mm -hmm. once you put them on your bow, they're already stretched out, which is yep. also why you don't get peep rotation, which is why you don't drop poundage, which is why you don't drop draw weight. So that is something A3 is the best at. There's no question about it. A3. However, Brett does it. 
there's no string stretch. I still have and, a bow that I haven't that I still have hanging up that has not dropped a pound yet. And that's that's the only reason why I would go with like a eight like why I would consider going aftermarket strings is one I know A3s are waxless, which I really like. Um they're and the other thing is is I I want to do some I'm thinking about doing a color combination here with my strings. Um so that would be why I go with aftermarket strings. I would have no problem with the with the set of strings that I have in my bow right now. But eventually I want to upgrade a little bit, you know? Um but I'm not too worried about it at the moment. Um you know, I've been the <clears throat> the pro shop that I go to, they have a 50 yard indoor range. And I've only gone to two league nights, but I mean I've only been shooting seriously for about a year now. Yeah, if you saw my my Instagram post, I mean that was at 35 yards. I was a, I mean I could there's maybe about a quarter. You could put a quarter in where I put my three arrows at 35 yards. I'm not saying I'm a great archer. I'm not even saying I'm a good archer, but I feel confident enough to where I, you know, I killed a few deer this year or last year. I'm feeling pretty good about mountain archery fest. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I've, I've probably shot probably between probably about 300 arrows through my bow since I've gotten it. Easy, easy, hundred percent, dude, hundred percent at least. And so that's, but that's, I mean, that's also a testament because you're supposed to, to look at like your timing and everything after like your first hundred arrows. And then again mm -hmm. at like 500 arrows. So you're, mm -hmm. you should be checking timing two times in the first 600 arrows. And really after the first hundred, there's not going to be a lot more stretch. And then after that 500, it's just wear and tear. A3, mm -hmm. I check, I check my poundage. I check timing, not super regularly, but I, I don't ever have to adjust anything like that because A3 just makes quality strings. There's no doubt about it. Mm -hmm. But I am super impressed with the Darton strings because I don't want to hate on any particular bow manufacturer, but I know zebra strings have probably the worst reputation in archery. And I say that coming from somebody who shot zebra strings for a very long time. I've never had an issue with zebra strings, honestly. I still have them yeah. on a set on my adrenaline. They're great strings, but it's just notorious for having a lot of issues and so when you think of bow manufacturers almost everybody orders custom arrows or, or custom strings the same time that they order the bow because it's almost a trade-off you order a new bow you order new strings because you want to get quality strings you want to spend a little bit more money on aftermarket strings so you can get the color combo that you want so you can get good quality strings that you you may not have to mess with as much um and so it's 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 definitely going to happen, but that is one thing that I've noticed. Timing has not changed on this veracity, and poundage has only dropped a pound and a half, which that's pretty darn good for 100, 150 arrows through. So I'm not, I'm not Brett. I'm not saying I'm not ordering your strings. I'm just saying <laughs> Darton's got some quality strings coming out. Yeah, my roller guard on my elite, my expedition popped off here last fall. And it ended up cutting my servings on it. And so I have to get a new strings for it. So I've just, but Brent had had some setbacks over the last few weeks. 
So he's he's just been constantly playing catch up. I I messaged him. He's like, it's like, hey, you want unpaid intern? I'll come down and help you out. And he said, and and he did not get a response. But I, at least I offered. And uh, yeah, and I found out while I was at, I was hanging with Jeremy. We were testing. I got some PS twenty threes for for three D and in for indoor. But we were, we put them on the D loop when next to serving, and he took the D loop and he started shaking it. It walked the knock right off. Yeah, yeah. So I was like, "Well, I'm not shooting this until it's fixed." Yeah, I see your, I see your eyes, man. It, we were, we were. He was in the bow vice, and we were just sitting there walking, just tweaking it, just trying to get it, get it all set up for the 2023 indoor season or the three season. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely like, "Yep, we're not shooting this until it's fixed." Mm. I had that happen. I have a trad bow that that happened to. They uh, some. Some people, when they when they put uh, like your knock points on a trad bow, they just use the little brass couplings that they use for weights on on big bows. And so when you when you the the way that I found the easiest to to get rid of those is you have to pretty much break them. So you have to get a pliers and just pinch them until the brass snaps. Yeah. And in doing so, I snipped the serving. Mm. Uh-oh. And so all the serving just unwound on the knock point. And I was actually going to talk to Brett and see how easy it would be to, uh, to just reserve it myself. Uh, but after talking to actually Jordan, he advised me, don't waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> I think his exact words were professionals sometimes mess up. Don't shoot. Uh, don't try your luck. And I said, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, Brett has, Brett is a rock star of a man, and he uh, he definitely puts out probably the best, I'll say the best unknown bowstring in in the industry. And I know Elk Shape has a set on, uh, I think Tim's bow right now. So they're doing a year long bowstring review. They took three or four different bowstring manufacturers, and they each bought they each bought one or they got one. I I don't know how that works for Elk Shape, but uh, they're they have them each. Each one has a different one on their bow. And so they I believe they've been kind of checking in on them and checking timing regularly after X amount of hours. And I think they're keeping track of shots that they're taking and they're they're gonna put together this huge um, information dump at the end of this year or before bear season or after bear season. I don't know how it's gonna work, but um, I'm really excited to see how they perform. It's like gas, I think ABB, A3, and then I think. I think Podium put his own strings on. I don't. I don't know who. They yeah, because sure, I'm. I know because sure, they were they were close with Podium. I'm sure they would put yeah. Podium on there. But Podium isn't. He's not really making strings anymore. I think that's why they were really? shopping for new string manufacturers because he's he's too swamped right now. He's trying to hire somebody part time to come and twist strings for him, and and he can't find them. And so I think that's why they were testing new string manufacturers was because Podium's not really making strings right now. Um, MFJJ. But Which, by the I'm way, excited. if you ever want to know a knowledge dump, MFJJ. I love his stuff. I love his stuff. He's I, honestly, I'm a huge fan of Dan. Um, I've been following Dan since he had 15,000 subscribers on YouTube, yeah, and he had like 8,000 on on Instagram. Like I've messaged him. We've had conversations before. He's a super good dude. Like. Uh, he he doesn't. I guarantee you, he don't remember me from Adam. Like he he don't know me at all. <laughs> I've had a few conversations when I kind of started Sodak up way back when, and the the one piece of advice he gave me was just don't stop. 
Don't don't <laughs> what? what he was. He was like, don't stop. Don't stop. Oh, I gotcha. He's just like, don't stop. Just keep going. He goes, whether you grow, whether you don't grow. He's like, don't stop. Don't stop. Change stuff as you need to, but don't stop, and it'll happen. And so that just, he's just a good dude, and 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 he literally just preaches hard work. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. There's nothing else that that is coming from his mouth but work harder. And that's probably one of the things that I admire most about him because he just he and he claims, you know, I'm not the best, I'm not the strongest, I'm not the biggest, I'm not the nothing, but I work hard. That's that's why I get what I get. And that is that is uh he's an admirable dude. He's a really good dude too. So Dan, if you ever take the time to watch this, my name's Dan. <laughs> well, he Let's actually did an sometime. interview with uh Brandon from Mountain Archery Fest on his podcast yep. a little bit ago. I think he's actually I think he's actually coming to a Mountain Archery Fest. Tough to say because when I was talking to Brandon, a lot of a lot of the bigger name folks, they'll go to a map just because they want to be there, run go underneath the radar and just shoot. Like if you go to attack event, it seems like it's always a celebrity fest and you always have to have an entourage with you. And mm-hmm. Brandon says you never know who was going to be there because they don't announce it. They just want to go there and just shoot and be be one with everybody. Yeah, absolutely. And well, that's and that... oh, go, go ahead, Trent. Oh, and that's that's one thing that I really appreciated about Mountain Archery Fest when I went last year is so last year I had a Matthews mission switch from 2019. Yeah. It it was a bow that I could afford at the time. It served me well. It got me two deer last year. But I, I you know, again, I'm six foot three, two hundred and a lot pounds, and here I am with this tiny little thing. You know, like I just, it, it looks so out of place. I'm like, I was, I was partly embarrassed because I'm like, I, everyone's going to make fun of me. Like they, they all shoot Matthews, you know, uh, V3 axes and Hoyt, you know, whatever, like top of the line. No, nobody cared. They're like, Hey, nice shooting. And I had only, I had only been really shooting seriously for about three months at that point when I went to Mountain Archery Fest. I don't even know if it was that long, Trent. I don't I, know if it was that long. <laughs> probably not, honestly. Because like I've always had was... like I've had a bow for a while, but it wasn't a, like even last year I went turkey hunting with you, Ben, and I wasn't See, super. You had dark. you had only been shooting like two weeks when we turkey hunting. Yeah, like I. It was not a very long time. No, it was not a long time, and like I wasn't really into archery until we went to Canton for that little. They had Run like a to little gun by Jordan yeah. Miller. Yeah. Which it was a fun little course, but that's when I was like, oh, this is actually a lot of fun, you know? So that's when I really started getting into archery. So, I, I mean, I had only been shooting for two or three months before I went to Mountain Archery Fest. And I'm thinking, I can only shoot 45 yards. I'm not going to make this. I'm going to be, I'm going to make an ass out of myself. And, everyone was super supportive of me there um and and they're just like yeah you know do the best you can you're not competing against anybody else you're competing against yourself you know um i remember like the first big target that we had the first long target that we actually had it was like a uh something stupid it was like 50 or 60 yards on like a mule deer or something Mm -hmm. and and Trent gets up first and he goes, all right, guys, we're probably going to be looking for arrows. I don't know where my 60 yard pin is at. And he 10 ringed it. Oh, I nice. think he had the best shot out of everybody. <laughs> Sweet. 
Hey, so even a blind squirrel like, finds a nut, okay? <laughs> I'm like, Trent, you got to stop talking yourself down because you're making me look bad now because I actually have a slider that can get 62 yards and you had a better shot than me. <laughs> which, which happened almost the entire day. Which <laughs> happened almost the entire day. It'll be interesting this year because this is the first year I've had a, a sliding pin and something that I can go past 50 yards with. So I'm excited well, for that. And so, and you have the rise from HHA Sports, correct? Yep, I have the Terra Rise. So you can reach what it. A, um, Jeff, you have the same one, or do you I, have a the single pin? I have the Tetra right now. I'm I am waiting to get my strings from A3, so this way I can I'm going to put my Tetra. That's um well I don't have it here. I'm going to take my Tetra, move from my Elite over to my Expedition, and since Elite's my primary hunting bow because it's it's 31 axle axle, axle well, it's very versatile. I'll put the rise on that one because that's what I'm going to be bringing with me when I go out to uh, to uh, math. But yeah, that's what I'm going to go with to it. I, I'll, I'll rock a uh, 4x magnifier because my eyes just don't dial in like they used to, so I won't be participating in any of those those novelty shoots. But either way, I'm going to go out there and have some fun. Do it anyway, man. If you if you can afford well, to lose the arrow, I mean, go for it anyway. Yeah. Well, the novelty shots, you, you got to have complete bow hunter setup. So I don't yes. think you can have lenses. You can't have magnifiers. Oh, okay. nope. You should look into a clarifier, though, because those are legal in just about, well, I don't want to say every state, but there's a lot of, if you can get like a, a doctor to write you a prescription, most states will accept a clarifier. And all that does is just basically puts a prescription lens inside your peep so you can see a little bit better through it. I thought about doing that, too, so I didn't have to worry about contacts or glasses. But Yeah, that's what I have currently is a, is a clarifier. So this way that it actually where where works seeing the pin then it actually then then it complements the the four x lens to be able to go out there further. I've thought about upgrading to a six x, but it's like ah, I shoot pretty consistently. I've shot really well. I, I did the my longest shot last year was ninety eight yards, and I managed to ten wing it ten ten ring it. And then my favorite shot was on this gorilla 72, 72 yards, and the sh- the 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 twelve ring was setting through you had to shoot through the weeds and it was going like this going back and forth waving at you i managed to pinwheel that 12 man i got pictures of that bad boy i was excited <laughs> i was like i was i was i was praying for that one i managed to make it work so there's there's two shots that i remember in particular about the initial ascent course from math last year um the first one i think was shot number four and you were literally standing on top of a rock and shooting into a cave into a flipping cave and not like one of those caves where you see on like movies where it's kind of like oh it's cave. i'm talking pitch blackness mm-hmm. pitch blackness so that was really cool and then the second shot that i wrote re- that was really unique about about um the initial send course last year is they had a uh a running pig so it was just like a you yanked the cord and it just went on a slope and and drag it through and so you had to shoot it while it was moving Oh, nice! That was a lot of fun too. That was pretty cool. I was I actually sent Brandon and uh, Brian from Beastmoke uh, a target that was a flying pig, had wings and everything. It was just it was just on a on a roller guard stuff like that, and it just you just mm-hmm. somebody hits it and just goes back, and then they have to wait for somebody to reel it back. But it's like that's a pretty cool trick shot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And if you hit, if you it hit, was cool. I think if you hit like a 10, 10 ring on it, you even get a little 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 piggy. <laughs> I will say, I will say when, when I saw that shot, cause they've had a few shots like that. Um, 
I think that's kind of one of their novelty shots that they bring to every range. And the first year that I went to math, I actually missed it because I got super confused. I had strep throat. I was really high up. I got super dehydrated, uh, a list of others, uh, a list of other things. And I ended up missing like three or four targets because I just got lost. <laughs> and that was, that was one of them that I missed. And so I remember like seeing videos of it, like that would be such an easy shot. Like how fun is that? And then um, the situation arose where I got to partake in shooting that shot. And let me tell you, it is very much so not an easy shot. No, it's not. It is not. <laughs> there's, there's not really like, I wish I could say, well, the best way to do it is there's no best way to do it. There isn't. You, oh, you, you, you pick a spot and wait till it's close and then you shoot and you, you shoot far back. You, you try to trace it and you're, you're lucky if you hit it. You, you try to, I mean, there's, there's about three different ways you can shoot it. None of them are easy. None of them uh, help you kill it, but it, it is fun to shoot. I will say one of my favorite memories of, of math last year is right away at the beginning. It was towards the beginning of the course. And I think we had just met up with Kevin who was just some random guy that was doing the course by himself. And he's like, Hey, can I join you guys? And we're like, sure. Why not? More than merrier. As long as you're, you know, cause we were filming for, for math. Um, and he's like, yeah, if you we were going to let him play through. And he was like, well, if y'all don't mind. And we're like, yeah. absolutely join us. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. It was a super, super chill dude. Um, and we shot at this raccoon through a bunch of brush in the tree and we couldn't find, we couldn't actually find the insert because it was covered by brush. So we're like, screw it. We're just going to go for headshots. Okay. So Brian from State Raps went, hit a headshot. Ben hit a headshot. I caught the tip of its nose, and it was sticking out both sides, kind of like, you know, you have the hat with, like, the arrows pointing on it. It was like that, but with the nose. And Kevin just nailed that tree. It was great. Oh, not even that. I, I mean, to be honest, he wasn't even close to the, to the raccoon. He was a good foot high. <laughs> to be fair, he, he pulled back and he goes, Do y'all see where the raccoon is? <laughs> <laughs> and we went, you didn't, you didn't find the raccoon before you pulled back. And he's like, no, I, I thought I had it, but I lost it. And I was like, well, shoot what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, I was looking back at the footage. And I had to watch it like seven times. I could not find the raccoon in the footage. So mm -hmm. it was a very well-disguised shot. But it was super fun because you really, I mean, you couldn't really see anything. And so we called headshots and headshot counted as a 12 ring and it was fun. It was a lot I think, of fun. I think the shot I remember the most from last year was it was towards the end <clears throat> and it was a mule deer. It was like, it was like a 70 or it was a long shot, like maybe even 92 yards. I think it was 92 yards. Okay. And we were all tired. It was maybe the, one of the last four or five targets. And we were just like, okay, let's just, let's just push through. Camera was dead. So we weren't worried about filming anymore. We were, let's just push through. Let's just push through. So um, Kevin gets up and I think he shot a low leg shot, like just right under the shoulder, eight, five, whatever it is. Brian got up. I think he spined one or sent it over its back. Um, I get up and I'm like, okay, hit the foam. I don't care. Hit the foam. I have, I have low standards following me. Just hit the foam. Or I was, I was following low standards. They hit the foam. So I'm like, okay. So I dial the side in, pull back. And it just felt perfect. Just complete miss. 
<laughs> Complete miss. So I went, I went, hold on. Trent, Trent's like stepping up. I'm like, no, stop. I'm shooting again. I'm not this bad for shot. This is a chip shot. I'm going to shoot it. So I load up another arrow, pull back. Boom. Ten ring. And I'm like, ha, that's the one I meant. Sorry, losers. Like, <laughs> and they're like, well, you're the only one that missed. So ha. Gets up. I only have a 45-yard pin. <laughs> Twelve ring. Oh, Jesus. That's awesome. Yeah. So I, I felt like an idiot because... I think I was the only one with the slider. I don't think anybody don't else think had a so slider. Either. And I think I lost more arrows than everybody else did. Oh no, I definitely lost more arrows. I guarantee you, I lost because I went out there with a dozen. I was, I went there with like t- twelve or fifteen arrows, and I came back with like three. Um, yeah, you're right. I think I went out with eighteen because I had I had half of eighteen or twenty because I had half of my old dozen. I had zombie slayers, and then I had my new deep impacts. And I wanted to shoot my deep impacts because they were the ones I was going to be hunting with this year. But I also did not want to shoot them because I knew how many arrows that I would probably lose. And I still wanted to be able to shoot them for hunting this year. <laughs> so. Oh, man. It reminds me, like, when I did the, the Beast Mode one, I lost. I came with a half a dozen. I left with one. And I managed to shoot <laughs> a 22 target 3D pitch black scramble. It was a blast. Mm. It was it was a lot of fun because we did it. There was the we're at the ski resort. There is they shut all the lights off. It's pitch black on there, and all you could all you can do is hopefully your partner has a powerful enough flashlight to actually illuminate the target to put one on there. And it's pretty cool because like, you get to watch everybody's arrows just come glide through the air because most of them all have tracers on them or some type of a, a glory knock on there, so you can see them fly through there. Uh, Anne Marie got a lot of beautiful footage from that night, and it was just so much fun. Because there weren't, it wasn't easy shots. I mean, the shorter shot was like three yards. The longest shot was like 65 yards. <laughs> it's like, mm-hmm. good luck with that. Let's get, some of those were a prey and poke type things. Like, oh, we're, we're back. <laughs> like, okay, I think I see it. Click. So the only, the only night shoot that I've ever participated in was done really, really well because they had like, they had just like two small little like garden lamps, I would call them. That mm-hmm. was that pointed at the target so you could see them. And okay. then they had the top of the target, they had a glow stick, like right above the vitals. But it was it was dim enough to where it, it felt like a low light shot, is what it felt like. Because then there was a small, like at your feet, there were two more lamps. So it illuminated your sight enough, but then it was just pitch black everywhere in between. And so it was super fun to go out with lighted knocks mm-hmm. because you just see this <clears throat> and it's just <laughs> it was, oh it's just so much fun. so I, i'm actually I, working on putting that out in my range i'm gonna find some lights that i can do that with so when i when i get enough lighted knocks i'm uh i'm gonna send them in the dark well so, if you if you check out um innovative outdoor products they actually ha- he actually created reflector ones with the you actually did the market research and found the brightest reflectors on the market turn those into a wrap so this way when you're out there with your flashlight looking for them they'll just blast open if you go on my uh my instagram feed you'll see a uh picture of it it's just they just pop they're just extremely bright you can get mm. uh, i think a dozen arrow wraps for 12 bucks 14 or something like that. Uh, and state wraps state wraps does the same thing he has colored ones too so like Ooh. all my wraps are all reflective um and That's they smart. are it, it literally it, it's like it looks like the eye of a deer when it's in the headlights it's just like it just shines and it's oh man it's so easy to find I didn't know state reps did that. That's otherwise I would have mm-hmm. name dropped them as well. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Smart to do yeah, that. Yeah, state reps. 
state wraps and they do a bunch of colored ones and he can actually do custom print for you too so like i have i have my tag holder here it has sodak logo on the bottom of it so when i knock you can see sodak and then uh, super super reflective i mean i think you can almost see it in the video of the the new arrow wraps that i put on but it just it just shimmers man like it's scary so this shimmery. is this is my old setup where i had pink wraps and green fletchings yeah and it's kind of hard to see on just a really pos webcam but yeah i mean they're i i don't like lighted knocks just because it messes with my arrow weight um personally but um i mean ben even when i was over at ben's place when i was shooting with those wraps you can see it going through the air no problem that's why that's why i like orange wraps so much because it, it really does pop when you're shooting but um so like the 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 um 204 diameters the renegades that i just built i have no intention of putting lighted knocks on there because they're shooting like as fast as i want and they're already heavier than i want uh, like the carnivores my estimation has them coming in like 200 or 420 grains so i will 100 throw lighted knocks on them and um they're a 244 and i already have lighted knocks from flex 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 fletch the uh the vein company they actually made some lighted knocks and the only reason and mind you the only reason i'll be shooting them is because there's literally a switch like a light switch on the side of the knock so you go to turn them off and you just go click i have a video of my my reed three years old he's sitting there he'll shoot one he'll go get it turn it off bring it back shoot one go get it turn it off bring it back they're super simple and they're they're super bright and they last a very long time so that is actually the only reason i'm going with lighted knocks this year is because i i super love the uh and they only come in 244 diameter so i i couldn't order them for the 204 if i were 244 i couldn't order them for the 204 if i wanted to. so but they are definitely if i ever run lighted knocks they will be the ones i run because they are just they're so simple to use they're so nice check them out honestly don't take my word for it check them out i have a pack that have been sitting in the garage for the last year. And once I get these uh these carnivores uh cut and, and fleshed up, I'm gonna throw them on there and they're they're gonna be amazing. I can't wait. Yeah, because I've been using nocturnal and stuff. Those are not an easy one to shut off because you have to actually have a knife to get in there and flick the uh the on off switch for them. I did have Glory Knox tried those out though, but the battery life just don't last very long. But they're not they are a nice knock. A little bit lighter. So from- I, I- I tried the glory knocks too and i tried um there's another knock i can't remember i think it's fire knock you have to have a knock pushing to put them in and then i tried glory knocks which i think the glory knocks is a good concept but i would agree the battery life just was nothing i i broke two knocks almost immediately and then the other one the battery died after it wasn't even like the end of summer and it was dead already so I, I think they've done a lot. I think they changed their name and they um, Halo now. I think they're Halo Knox. I think they adjusted a lot. So I'd be interested to try them again. But the, the Flex Fletch Knox are by far, I think they're called Lit, L-I-T Knox. And they are, I wish, I, honestly, I wish I would have brought one down here because they are, I, I, they're amazing. They, they come in three different colors or four, I think yellow, blue, orange, or red, and green. Um, and I have orange, or I have red and yellow ones. And the red ones are by far brighter than the yellow ones are. 
but yellow is kind of hard to make super bright. So I don't think any yellow lighted knock is a super bright knock. But I'd be super interested to get like a green or a blue one and just see what those do because they're super easy to turn off. And that's the biggest turn on for me because I like practicing with them. Mm-hmm. Hunting with them, you see them shoot one time and it's really easy to see, but you only shoot them once. I like practicing with them. So like I have a whole bunch of nocturnals that are dead that I have that I use for practice knocks. I have, there's a, there's an Amazon lighted knock that I bought like 24 knocks for like 10 bucks. And if you're shooting them too close, the battery actually flies out of the knock and hits the, hits your insert. So it breaks. Um, but if you're shooting them <laughs> at distance, they, they light up and they're decent enough to shoot and they weigh the same. Most lighted knocks weigh between 20 and 24 grains. Mm-hmm. So if you have one and it dies, keep it and you can practice with it forever. And the, the grain differential is plus or minus four. Like the glory knocks, I think were 22. I think nocturnals are 22. No, the glory knocks are 24. Nocturnals are like 22, 23. And then these lit knocks right in that 21, 23 range. Um, and so you can practice, I mean, when I'm fletching arrows, if I can get them within five grains of each other, I consider that a successful batch, right? So when you're when you're swapping regular knocks out for lighted knocks, adding a couple grains here or there is not going to make a huge difference in most of your shooting. So, but I generally like the prelude that I'm ordering. Uh, I should rephrase that: the prelude that I ordered. <laughs> <laughs> um, that will be my. Uh, the Prelude 32, because it's a shorter ATA, but that will be the carnivore bow, and I'll be throwing lighted knocks on that thing, and I'm just stoked. I cannot wait. I'm going to have, so the veracity is going to be my antelope and mule deer bow, and then the Prelude is going to be my tree stand ground blind bow, so I don't foresee buying two bows in one year for a very long time, so my veracity <laughs> will probably be my, uh, I'm going to actually try to transition that to an indoor slash 3D bow too, because it's 35 inches ATA. That's, I mean, most standard 3D indoor bows are like 36 to 38. Yeah. Um, and so it's right there. It's definitely, it's definitely in the mix. So I actually am going to try to order some longer stabilizers and I might even get a site with some magnifiers in there and try my, try my hand at spot or 3D or something. And I'm going to get some of them PS 23s or whatever those big diameters you were talking about yeah, from yeah. Black Eagle and, just gonna have a whole setup that I can just put on there and then take it off for hunting season and redo everything and keep it long range, keep it keep it indoor. The nice thing is that you already have HHA, you can easily slap on your four pin, maybe ready to rock and roll within a matter of seconds. So that's the that is the upside about it. As long as you get the the Z axis tightened, cinched down nice and tight, you'd be good to go. Well, so the the perk is um, everything. I so I have a Maverick, a Dark Maverick right now that's a few years old. Um, and so everything that's on that bow, I'm going to transfer to the prelude. And then I have, nope, nothing. I have nothing ordered for that bow. I think I actually did order a six inch stabilizer. Um, and I don't think I'm even going to run a back bar because I don't plan on shooting super long distance aside for fun. And so either I'm going to put the six inch as a back bar and just keep the, the stub that they have out front as the front stabilizer. Or I'll put the six inch on front of that and get an eight inch bar. And then we'll see, I might order a smaller front or back bar for it too, just to kind of see how it feels. Um, but I'm going to throw my HHA four pin on that one. There you go. And so that'll be my tree stand, or it's a three pin actually. I got a custom three pin. 
So I'll, that'll be my tree stand bow because then I still have the working range of three pins, 20, 30, 40. And then the rise will be my double pin. And honestly, the reason I'm stoked about that for antelope and mule deer is you have two um, set points on your slide. So if I range a goat and he's at 62 yards and he, you know, before I draw back, he runs out and I range him again and he's now at 68 or, or 72 yards. I can look at my dial and go, okay, that's my bottom pin, go, and just let her fly from there. Um, and so I'm super excited to try that with the rise, same with mule deer. And then I, I just, I don't know if I could ever get away from a fixed, not a fixed pin, but a multi-pin site for tree stand hunting, just because it's such a range. It, it's not like, especially where I hunt, it's not like, okay, this is gonna be your 20 yard shot. This is gonna be your 30 yard shot. Like they could come from anywhere. And it could be a range from 20 to 50 yards. So I just, I like having that range where I don't have to sit there and adjust the site when he takes two steps or anything. I like being able to say, okay, he's at 40 yards now. Okay, 40 yards, 30 yards, 20 yards. Now I know wherever he is, where I'm shooting is what pin to use. And I just think that's the easiest thing in the world. So I gotcha. I, I like my single pin. I, I started with a three pin. Then I moved a single pin. I shot the buck that's up behind me. And I just like that customizable. It's just the the OCD that goes in my mind, the ADHD, where it just gets hyper focused on it. And I just kind of have it all done. And like having that T and K pack and having everything so close knit to be able to grab and range it real fast. And then if I need to, I can just drop it and not even worry about it because I got those those clasps on it. So it's just it's all preference when it comes down to it. But it's like if I was going out west though, and I was going to be going after antelope or mule deer or elk having a multi-pin is the way to, I feel it's more comfortable because now you're going to have more opportunities because you never know when that bull or that buck or that antelope is going to stop. It's like, you want to have that flexibility to be able to get after it. And plus, if you shoot enough, you know, you know, your pin gap, it's like, you can just go right ahead. It's like, boom. Yeah. You have your 40 yard pin, your 60 part, but he has that 50. You just put him in the fur and you let it run, let it fly. That's what I'm stoked about with this rise because that's exactly what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. And if, if this bow, if this bow keeps shooting this fast, I mean, it's going to be a, <laughs> that bottom pin at, when I set that top at 20 yards, that bottom pin is going to be 40, 42 yards. I mean, there's, there's, oh man. And then it's just the single, the single stack, which I think that's going to, I'm stoked for that. I've been looking for a single pin. I've been thinking about buying one for a long time but I just never wanted to give up the flexibility of having that, that second pin or third pin. And so when this rise came out, I think I even texted Chris and I said, are you kidding me? Yes. This is what I've been waiting for. So I'm, I'm stoked. I cannot wait to get that, get that set up. And unfortunately uh, every single part of my bow is sitting at chest thumpers shop right now, except for um, the bow. So, that's what you're waiting on. Okay. The, the word the word on the street is is that Darton had such an influx of customers from their first couple shows, they actually had to buy a new machine. Because, oh wow! Uh, they couldn't handle the orders, and so luckily my man Trent ordered uh, my Veracity back in January, beginning of February, I think. It was the first week of February, and then a couple of weeks after that, I convinced him to order the Prelude. So. He thinks, and I'm hoping that they both come in like pretty close to each other. Um, but either way, I don't think I'm going to have them for turkey. So 
I'm glad I did not tear apart my uh, Maverick. I'm also debating on taking the Veracity out that I currently have and seeing if I can smoke an old blue head thunder chicken with that. <laughs> Trent, have you decided what broadheads you're running for turkey this year yet? Uh, I picked up a couple at Shields the other day. Um, I have some schwackers at home that I use for deer. Uh, Two-inch diameter cut. Um, but I got some turkey-specific broadheads. I think they're rages, I want to say. I'd have to... Uh, they're in the truck. I'd, I'd have to go out and get them. Um, but uh, it's. I think it's a four-blade mechanical. I think it's another two-inch cutting diameter. Um, yeah. You want you want big cut for turkey. I think I'm mm -hmm. going to go with the, uh, the triple-point Clovis. Uh, that was the one I put through that deer. And I... I'm not gonna lie. I just I think it's the, the it's a genius design. It's such a light, it's such a heavy magnet and yet such a light one. I think it just it just spreads wide open going through anything. So that's gonna be my number one. And then I think I'm gonna throw holy, holy mother of cutting gobblers heads off. Yeah, yeah. boy. That's this, what I like to see. This is VIP's massive bad boy, right? It's 175 grain. Uh, by or their their opposite angles, but it's designed so if you happen to miss it, miss a bird, it twists. Yes. And I fell in love with VIP the guillotine. This is the guillotine. This is the the, the newest version of it. It comes in 175 grains. But when I first saw this, it was back when it's called aerodynamics back in 2015, and I watched their guillotine basically decapitate an ostrich head. <laughs> Dude, it was freaking insane. It it hit. It, it, it just completely cut through it. And then this this is the 175, and this is its baby brother right here. This bad boy comes at 150. So it's a little bit smaller, but this gives you an opportunity to be able to do it, and it has the same technology for the two. If you miss it, it will – I don't want to cut myself on the bottom one, so it'll, it'll actually it'll, it'll actually bevel too as well. So if you miss it, this one comes at 150, and people have been using even these for going after uh, whitetails too. Huh. I was gonna say that's a small enough profile, and you're cutting such a hole. You could probably get away with the body shot with those. I mean, what is that? An inch cut? I I believe so. I believe it's right around that, from point to point, it's about inch an inch and a half. Yeah, something like that. Yep. But Mad I mean, that would easily destroy anything you threw at it. Oh, exactly. A lot of people they, they, uh, people like these to by throwing these on their crossbows. This is have been a. a massive gravity over to that because it's so much heavier and be able to push that kinetic energy at a high rate of speed. You're going to be able to do a lot of damage with it. Cause I was talking to, well, I did a podcast. It just came out here a couple of weeks ago with um, uh, Julie Al uh, Albert, and she's got um, a uh, degenerative disease, immune autoimmune disease from Lyme's disease. And so she can't draw back a bow anymore. So she, they had, they upgraded her getting a crossbow and she says that, crossbow bolts go so fast through the deer that she shoots at it's it takes roughly 50 yards before you find your first drop of blood because it just goes through so quickly and so when you put this on plus, plus feet per second yeah and they have a they have a she has a raven so when you put this on there well now your hole just got that much bigger and it's and it's not considered bar because it it it, it actually it, it pivots and such so with the, with that being the case say so there's there's the pivot on that one you're, it's it's perfectly legal to u utilize because it's it's the way to work around it because uh, 
VIP came out in 2022. They came out with five new broadheads, five in one year. And it was an amazing year for them because it's like, because they're all, all VIPs, all their products are made in America. So they were able to get, they're able to keep their, their suppliers or their dealers supplied because everybody else goes to China, like Swacker and uh, uh, Rage. They all get all stuff from the Pacific Rim. I think uh, Vietnam and Korea is where a lot of them get them from. So it's like trying to get inserts during 2020, 21, 21. It was very difficult. And then he just came out with a new, or was last year, he came out with a new insert process where let's say you destroy your arrow, you can actually remove your insert. You can remove your insert. It's not, it's not, no longer requires to be glued in. Yeah, he, he got that patented too. So it's like nobody's going to beat that. And he saw it's like there's a couple of people on the market thinking about buying it. So buying that patent. I think, I think Black Eagle has something like that too. It's their FOC system or something. And it's a screw, but you have to glue one of the components in. I think you have to glue the, the base plate in and then you put the sleeve on top of it and you can screw it in. Ah. So you can still remove the top piece, but you have to glue the base plate in. I got you. Uh, see, that's, see, and that's what I. Go, go, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say that's what I think that's why nobody else can beat it because he patented it, so nobody else can get yeah. to it. But he's a he's a self taught aerodynamic aerody, aerody, uh, aerodynamic engineer. He is he's all self taught. And he went to school. He went to he was he's uh, went to school in the navy for the navy for nuclear engineer, and he taught himself aerodynamics. Matt is just he just is, casually he, whatever you yeah. know. Yeah, he's 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 an engineer man. He is just an absolute absolute gem. Well, and that's that's kind of why I like the Triple Point um, company too. Triple Point Outdoors. If you haven't checked them out, they came out with a couple. They, so this is this is actually a huge selling point for me. They have same broadhead that you can take the mechanical component of the blades out, which, mind you, is very similar to those. It's a pole that keeps them in, and then a magnet at the base that keeps the blades in, and then uh, they hook out like this. They're very similar to like a. a um, like a schwacker almost, but with magnets. So like instead a of sever. A it's like a sever. Sever, yeah. That's what okay. Because yeah. Yeah. they're rear deploying, right? So they sit like this, and then when they come out, they pull out, and then they, I don't want to say lock in, because they still pivot, and then they'll get magnet back down around bone. But as soon as they hit anything else, they pop back out, because it's only like a three pound hold. But what they've done is they came out with a 50 grain blade. So Jeez, when that's you a pull heavy out blade. The, when you, I guess, I, I assume it's 50 grain because it changes your arrow from uh, 100 grains to 150 grains for your, your tip. But you okay. pull the magnetic, you, you pull the, the blades out, you set them down, and you slide this blade in, and now it's a fixed blade, 150 grain broadhead. <laughs> and then you can replace the, the tip. You unscrew that, replace that, and you can get different tips for it and everything. But all the components are fairly affordable if you needed to replace them. Mind you, out of the three that I have, I shot one through a deer, I shot one into the dirt, and I shot one into a target, and all of the blades are still very usable. Um, washed them off, and they're still perfect. But I thought that was just genius, that all you do is you take the, the, the moving blades out, and you put one single blade in with the same bolt, and now you have a fixed blade. That is a beefy fixed blade. I think it's still like a, a inch and three quarter or two inch cutting diameter. I mean, it is a two inch cutting diameter. I'm, I'm looking at the Clovis right now. And it's it is it's either you got a hundred grain or one hundred twenty. It, it, the price is there. It's seventy five dollars yeah. for a set of three. But 
when it comes down to it, though, it's 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 made in America. It's it's so you're 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 gonna be paying for quality. So that's why a lot of people like people like ourselves that have been hunting for a minute, we don't mind spending that extra dollar to get a better quality because uh, uh, when you cut when you look at the, some of these higher qualities, was like Matt was telling me that off he has one guy out of Texas has shot over thirty animals on the original blades on his veteran. And he hasn't changed them. He hasn't changed them at all because they're razor sharp. But when you look at the Clovis, 100 grain, 125 grain, and it's a simple design. You can do all the maintenance yourself. I mean, this is this is really intelligent because it's like it's a sticker price is shocking. But as if you're a smart man, you can replace it and you can fix it yourself. So this way, then you're not looking 25 bucks for a blade for a set of blades. That's not that big a deal. Well, and not even that. I, I'm going to keep the same blades that I have for my practice blades because yeah. you can lock them in. So you, so the blades that are on my practice head have never, have never seen anything. So okay. you lock them in place so that, so it's like the sever where you're not opening up when you're shooting, you're still getting the same flight. Um, so I'm going to keep those on there forever. Well, for as long as I can, but I'm going to shoot the other two this whole next year. And I'm, I'm shooting hundred grain tips on, on both my setups. So I'm literally just going to, when I'm going out antelope hunting or mule deer hunting, I'm going to put them on that bow. When I'm going out tree stand hunting, I'm going to put them on that bow. I'm going to see how many I can actually kill before I need to replace the blade. I, and, and granted, I had a video, um, I actually messed up the camera. Uh, I had the auto stabilization off. And so when we're filming this blood trail, it literally looks like that. So you can't <laughs> see anything. But uh -huh. Trent was there as my witness. It was, I mean, it was a, a two to three foot spray of blood yeah. just where I shot. Like where, where the impact was, it sprayed two to three feet. And then the, the trail was, I mean, it was like a red carpet. Now I'm not like Trent shot with his schwacker and he had a red carpet there too. I'm not downgrading anything, but I correct me if I'm wrong, Trent, your schwacker was busted after that. Or was it the second deer? That was the second deer. The first one clean pass through. Cause that, yeah. that one and went right fine. through rib. Yeah. Oh, and that's that one went we right through find. That's what we couldn't find. That's right. We didn't find it. And I found it afterwards after we got yeah. the buck there. But the then one... the second deer he shot, he, the, 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 the schwacker was thrashed. And so okay. that's honestly, like, that's why I switched to like, um, bee stinger. I switched to those fixed blades because they're so tough. You could easily shoot four five, six, seven, eight animals. And you might have to resharpen once or twice, but really it, it's not going to be that bad. And so that's what I'm looking for is the reusability, the rage. Yeah you're going to thrash it with one shot, one, one deer. And that, that blade is bent, the, the, the ferrule's gone. Like it, it, you're not reusing it. Um, same with like the Schwackers. Now, granted, Trent's was in pristine condition. I think he's probably going to shoot some with that this year, but that's still pretty rare because it's such a hollow ferrule and there's not really beef around it. And so as soon as you make a hard impact, it's, it's, it's crumbling the ferrule. Um, and so that's kind of where I was steered towards these guys. There's another broadhead company. Uh, it's called Thrive. And he has a very similar design. I'm a huge component. I'm a huge proponent of the magnetic cold because I, I have shot broadheads into foam with the rubber retaining band and the rubber retaining band has not deployed. And so anytime there's rubber involved, especially when you're getting to like cold temperatures, I would be afraid that it just wouldn't, it wouldn't do what it's supposed to do. And it would like snap and cause weird flight or something. Or you have to worry about keeping them in your quiver for all year long. 
if it gets dry or moist and then it freezes, it's going to crack and then you're going to have a, a band that's not going to hold anymore. Um, but Thrive makes a front deploying broadhead, single bevel, expandable. And I think that goes to an inch and three quarters or two inch cut. Is um, Thrive, uh, or, is Thrive um, the, uh, what is it called? Is that the, the Thorn Broadheads or is that the, that's a separate company? That's well, a separate company. All right, because I'm looking for Thrive look right Thrive. now. Look up Thrive. It's T-H-R-I-V-E. And they have red. They just came out with a whole bunch of new colors. But his was actually another broadhead that I was trying to test this year, too. Um, and it's a super good design for that as well, because it's a front-deploying magnetic broadhead. The issue I had with that is I got some weird bends on the ferrule after the shot. So when you shoot, it deploys from the front and it deploys with such force that it actually like snaps back like that. And so I was actually getting the bottom of the ferrule was actually cracking and like bending in, but that was it. There was no other issues other than the blades would deploy like this the first time. And then after that first shot, they deploy like this. And then after the next shot, it deploy like this. So you just kept getting that sweep back feature. And it was because the ferrule where the where the blades hit, they hit so hard that they just kind of broke and bent down. And so I, I shot those for a little while and I never ended up putting that was actually the the broadhead I missed on an antelope twice. So um <laughs> not yeah. the broadhead's fault. Not the broadhead's fault. Definitely the shooter's fault twice. <laughs> So yeah, I, was, I still have a few of those that I might try to use this year too, but um, mm -hmm. definitely triple point is definitely going to be my number one this year because it was just it was an obliteration fest. And then when we got when I got to gutting it, I I clipped the top of the heart, I clipped both lungs, but you could tell I almost because it was quartering away. So when I shot, I I was high because it, it ducked the string. It was a thirty-two yard shot, and he just ducked a tiny bit, and it just clipped the top of the lungs and the top of the heart, but. It was it was a massacre. I it was it was it was he, he went forty five yards from where I shot him and fell over dead. I was it's looking at the mayhem. The one you're talking about with that replaceable broadhead and how that's the hell the Healy cap the Healy cut. That's the the new one that released. I don't know if it was this year or last year, but that is a beefy son of a gun too. I mean that broadhead is 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 no joke to to go, to balk at because it's it's something pretty impressive. Even their oh they have the they even have a Clovis turkey foot small game one too for uh, for turkey obviously. Oh then there it is the triple the the car carnivora fixed blade. That is <laughs> that is insane. You go from one twenty five up to one hundred seventy five grain broadhead. Oh, oh man that that's got some that's a beefcake right there. That is a, definitely an impressive setup there, and plus the yeah, I like this. They they have a really good website, and they have everything all set up for for a guy to pick up all the additional parts as you go for it. You get a new set for twenty bucks after you bought you pay for the initial, so it lets you know that they put a lot of a forethought in that uh, ferrule. Yeah, and that's that's really what it is because I like I said I've I've kind of put those broadheads through the ringer, and there's not even you can't even tell they've been shot. Uh, they're a little dirty. Um, other than that, though, they're. Um, they still spin perfectly. The blades, there's no chips, there's no bends, there's no nothing. Um, and you can tell that they really did put some some thought because the replacement set is not hard to get. It's not hard to install. And then you can use the same broadheads for practice. All you have to do is put the retaining pin in. They don't expand. And you're not chewing up your your, your target either. So I'm really excited to play with those again this year. I Like I said, I'm plan on, I'm going to use those for 
probably hunting everything this year. Um, I'll probably throw some of those thrives in there too. And then I do have a hybrid that I fell in love with from blood sport archery. It's called the grave digger. Oh yeah. I've had those before. Um, yeah. And I love the idea of it, but I just, I'm not sold on it yet. They're really flimsy. They're kind of, I would call them a one shot use. I've I had, I've actually bought three packs of them. One whole pack went to practice broadhead and they are all currently broke. Um, the blades expand and break off the chisel tip, which I was really excited for. It's a clink. Like anytime you move the arrow, the blades like make a noise. And then the uh, cut on contact one is super beefy, but I, it chips super easy. You, I mean, you can just tell almost some of these big manufacturers, they're not putting the money into, into the quality, and w- which is why they can sell them at the point that they do. So I'm not discounting them at all because for a very long time, I had the mentality of, I only need to shoot a broadhead once. If I have to throw it okay. after that, I don't care. I only need to shoot a broadhead once. And so um, those kind of fit that. If I, if I bought three a year and I threw three away, then it was a successful year, right? And so it wasn't until I kind of got a hold of the Clovis that I was like, hey, you know, maybe quality matters a little bit and maybe yeah. I need to maybe focus on a little bit higher quality broadhead so that I can keep using them again. That is a way to look at it, especially when, well, this week or that week when we go, when we have a chance to hang out, you get to get, you'll get to play with the, uh, the bow shot Bible. And he actually just went through, a lo- I was actually, when we were talking about it, I was l- talking about bows and such. I went through and looked at it. He's got a whole bunch of stuff updated on the app and such. He has a a tool that will actually is pretty pretty consistently accurate about what the reaction time between each animal would be like, and it is pretty important actually. Like stuff that I didn't even think about, like when you're looking at distance wise and speed, and that's where speed really comes into a, into a, a factor in how heavy your arrows are because further out it gets, the faster they're going to be able to move, and how much more the arrow is going to may not go where you want to land when as it goes through for the goes through the air air to your target so and that's actually if you shoot what's his name joe maxfield he's a big matthews guy i think he started matthews with with whoever with uh uh mcpherson right he was one of like the ogs back in the 90s that that came on and started making the compound bows he's a super slam guy um but he is very big proponent of as fast as you can make a bow and still shoot a bullet hole. Uh, and so he, he actually is like a scientist and he goes off and he does like science experiments on penetration. And he does a lot of comparing 400 grain arrows to 600, 700, 800 grain arrows, just absurd arrow weights. And he tunes the bow that he's shooting them out of for each arrow that he's shooting. So it's not like he's shooting an untuned bow. But the thing that he has always come to the conclusion of that I have noticed is penetration is only as good as your shot placement. So if you are if you are trying to prepare to hit a shoulder, and this was a famous thing that he said that, I, that stuck with me. He goes, if you're building your arrow for the off chance that you're going to hit the shoulder, I would suggest you do uh, you spend more time on the range and less time on building arrows. That's that's a fair that's a fair assessment right there. Yeah, the, it's the bow the the bow shop bible. It's called effective yards, and, it, and it basically you 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 pick your arrow speed, you, you pinpoint that, and then your the reaction times. He, he's like the general one for a whitetail is like point two one seconds. 
and it'll let you know, like, if you're shooting 301 for arrow speed, your effective yardage is 28 uh, yards before the sound hits it. No way. Yeah, it's it's a very it's a it's a very small window. It's not completely scientifically proven, but it's just kind of a a, a guide on what you could think of. And he's I pitched him the idea. I talked to him about the idea on the podcast regarding like if he has an opportunity to actually work with the like a like a deer farm or something like that, or an outfitter or some some means to be able to to test them to see if they can get good consistent accuracies. So this way, then he can pick in speed goat and and bear or white tail. Cause you know, if you're shooting at a bear, you expect the reaction time to be a little bit slower type scenario, but I guess it all would have to come down to since there's a lot of people out there that videotapes their, their hunts, you probably find some good action, get some action footage from there and then just kind of just time it from there. Yeah. And like, uh, I don't know if you ever heard of Paul corn. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's, he actually just lives North of me. I've been, trying to get him on my podcast, but he's a very, very busy man. And I would love for you guys to come with me and go up to his house because he has a separate, basically an, a man cave with all of his hunts. And he is just a respectable man. He knew he's an, he's a, he's a guy that I've watched his videos on his, on his YouTube feed. And it's like, he is just really down to earth breaks down bows. He just, he did really, really well in life about 20, 30 years ago. And he's been able to accomplish a lot of big dreams. He's got a outfitter down in, Oh, Missouri, South Africa. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, yeah, South, South Africa, Africa too. too. Yep. Mm-hmm. But he's—I've watched all his videos, and if I was going to pick one person to break down uh, jumping strings, it would be his, mm-hmm. because he has so—he has so many different shots on so many different creatures. Like, I feel like you could write a book just on the stuff that he's done, and and I think he has—he's fairly. Um, good at describing what kind of his arrow setup is and his bow setup is and all that other stuff. So um, it, it would just be really interesting to, to sit down and talk with him because he seems like he's just kind of done the gamut. Yeah. It'd be fun to take you guys up to a one archery. That's his, uh, that's his uh, shop there up in Hudson. That's where also Donnie Vincent um, from Joe Rogan's podcast. He, he lives up, yeah. up in that very exact same area too. I don't know if he shoots there, but I think he lives out in the country. So that's a, a good location, but I've caught, I've seen Paul in there quite frequently. So that's how I actually ran into him and got his phone number. So just trying to make everything cross paths to make it happen. Cause he's getting busy, getting ready for spring bear and spring Turkey. One thing I want to bring up before, um, before we're done here, cause it's like 10 o'clock. So I'm figuring we're going to be wrapping up here pretty soon. Sure. This is a company that I started uh, working with, but I found them on Instagram tougher than Tom. And it okay. is a mosquito repellent. This is the tick spray. And if you see over here, I have a mosquito lamp. And then I have fly traps and mosquito traps right here. Okay. And then right there, it is a kid's version of a sticker that is supposedly a mosquito repellent. All right. Now, I have not tested any of this, so I cannot uh, confirm or deny if it's good or not. What I can tell you is that it is made with essential oils. So it's 100% healthy on uh, humans, pets, kids, everything. You don't need to rub it on your skin. But supposedly, so the ingredients is cedarwood oil, centerol L oil, and thyme oil, and then water. So it's 92% water with those essential oils in there. And like I said, I've never tried it before, but 
I remember how many times I had to spray my yard for ticks and bugs last year. I'm going to give this a go before I do any of that and see if it actually works. Because if this stuff works, this might be a game changer. This might be a real game changer. So I'm planning on bringing it to math after I do. Because last year, I think the first day we went outside, we found like five or six ticks on each of us. I mean, my house is crawling with ticks. I, I don't know how many cats, how many times I've pulled ticks off cats. Um, we have five cats. And so the ones that will come near me, I just pull ticks off. And it's like a dozen or more every year. So I'm going to try it on that. I'm going to try it on our, uh, when I'm outside shooting, I'm going to just do it all. And it does not smell horrible. So it's not like a bug spray where. Okay. I was going to say, that's what I was going to ask if how it smells. Yeah. I was going to ask how it smells. Cause that's, I hate the smell of bug spray. I'm not going to say it smells good. I'll take as long that as back. It's not it worse than smells... like, as long as it doesn't smell like, you know, off or whatever. No, it kind of smells like a cologne. Like, it smells like, like, I'm not saying I would wear it because I don't wear cologne. But it kind of reminds me of, like, a fancier cologne that it sounds like, oh, bonjour, you know, something dumb like that. But I'm really, really excited to try that. And then I'm really, really excited to try the mosquito lamp because screw mosquitoes, they can all die. Well, remember last year when you, when you came to Toma, we met up with Adam Lamp from Wandering Sheep Beard. He, yeah, his uh, he's got a beard oil that is designed specifically to get rid to move. A, it's it's a the how it's up north. It's it's a beard balm and also a, a beard oil, but that is designed to keep gnats and uh, was it uh, mosquitoes and flies out of your face and stuff like that. If you put a nice heavy coat on there, now he has done some experiments with ticks and where he's taken the the beard oil, the balm itself, and just take it and got a tick on his forearm and he just basically circled it. And that's all he's gone with it. So he's not going to claim it stops ticks, but it will kind of encompass them because it doesn't like the smell of it because of the way it works. But I know last year when I was on turkey hunting, I use up north beard oil in my beard and such. And I had no gnats, no mosquitoes in May when I got, when I got, when I got my tag. See, and that's something I'm, I'm going to have to look into, because I actually, as soon as I got back from that trip, I got that uh, watering sheet beard wax, and then I shaved my beard. <laughs> now you got a beard back. So I was like, yeah, so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll keep it, you know, I'm, I'm sure I'll grow it out again, and I've been using that for the last few weeks, and it's, I love it. I love the smell of it. I love how easy it is. I love how it doesn't make my hands all greasy. But yeah, that was something we'll have to look into. Yeah, because that was one of the biggest uh, wins for us. Because you and I both applied some in our beard when we met Adam, and you and I, and the three of us, you, me, and Chris, we went out shooting, and I had no fears about losing uh, grip on my bow at full draw. None, none. That was the best part, I think. So, yeah, that's so that's a real. It's anyways, a real game guys, changer. It's I got to sign off. I think. Yeah. Yep. I am work at five a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought you said you don't sleep, Ben. I don't sleep, but I try. No, yeah. fair enough. I, and I will time say, to wrap it up uh, too. Somebody does not rub my wife's back. She will not sleep. And mm. uh, no offense, but I don't really want anyone else rubbing my wife's back. So yeah, I'm good. I'm good on that one. That's all you. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, thank you, gentlemen, right. for coming on another yeah. fun-filled podcast. And then we'll we'll. Uh, I'm looking forward to this math event, dude. I'm looking forward. Yeah. And plus, on top of that, too, Trent, you're coming out for. Uh, Toma Warren shoot. So you, is your cousin still coming too? Uh, nephew? My nephew is. Yep. My Perfect. nephew is coming out. So he's 
Uh, he is 19. He actually bought my old bow. Um, Good. So, and then, because he had a bow previously, so he we're passing on. He's passing it down to his younger brother, so we're trying to get more people into archery on that side of the family. Yes. So. Um, That'd be perfect. And hopefully, Ben, if you want to come, it's like you guys are both more than welcome to sleep. I got a spot for you. I I actually got information on that. We have a family reunion that weekend, and ah. so I will not be able to make it. Perfect. Then, well, I I, I have I still have room for you, so you guys don't have to worry about getting a a hotel or anything that. like that. And then the best part that. is, uh, make sure you get here on Friday early. I'm taking that day off, but we're doing a meat fest. I got, I got, I got some, I got some stuff up my sleeve, man. You're gonna miss out on some venison. I'm gonna probably smoke up some prime rib, and Ooh. yeah, it's good. It's All gonna right. be. We'll, we'll, we'll talk when we get Trent, closer. Yeah, Trent, I'm gonna give you one piece of advice right now, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do not miss the meat fest. <laughs> oh yeah, no, that's that's not gonna be an issue. We'll we'll. We'll be there. Don't, Don't miss worry. It. He made he made steaks and ribs and a brisket chicken. last year. And there's oh chicken. Oh my goodness. It was the best. It was the best. Don't don't miss the meat fest. And if you you know, maybe if you're in the neighborhood, you can bring some back. And, you know, <laughs> I can't make your promises there are gonna be thing left. I think I sent I, you home with the, no, I don't think I don't think we sent you home with the doggy bag. I know I sent some no, because home. I didn't want it to spoil. Oh, like that's right. Gave it to everybody else because they were going back to their hotels and they were going to eat yeah. it there. Yeah, and then it was on Sunday, and it's like we didn't want to. Yeah, exactly. Because you had no way to keep it cool on the trip home. But all right, gentlemen, it's been fun. But I am getting tired. Peace out, gentlemen. Me too. All right. Talk to you later, guys. Yeah, guys. See ya.